Hello, everyone. My name is Jimena Dusan Aya Pearson, and you are listening to Root Stories of the Soul, Soulful Talks with Jimena. Now, for decades, I have had a big interest and passion for stories of our roots, our ancestors, our genius loci or spirit of place, and how all these are interwoven through our souls, and or like James Hillman says, soul making. Now, for the past few years, I have been studying uh, archetypal and Jungian studies uh, with an emphasis in depth psychology. And each week, I will be bringing to you stories from people around the world about what makes the soul a place and what gives a place its soul. And we will be exploring different elements about the uh, about the places that we uh, came from and the places that we live in. So this is really a space for people um, where they can tell their stories about their origins, about their ancestors, about their um, place they call home, and also how we can all invite the soul of the world back into our lives. I cannot wait. I am so excited to bring you so much more. So uh, welcome everyone um, to episode three of Root Stories of the Soul, um, my podcast. My name is Jimena Dusan Aya Pearson and I am your host. And today's topic is about faith and how does faith um, uh, help us uh, be in, in the place of, of where we're at? How does it how does faith ground us um, in the place we come from and in the place in the world? So I am so excited um, today because my guest um, is a longtime friend uh, that I met over eight years ago. And she and I met through the fitness industry. And um, I just remember, even though she's probably as small as I am in, in height, she is mighty and fierce. So she is... Mm-hmm. Um, a mentor to me, uh, even though I don't think I've ever told her that, but I'm telling her now. Her name is mm-hmm. Tracy Morrow. Uh, mm-hmm. She is no, she is a mother. She's a wife. She's a speaker, an author, and an expert. I would say in relationships, which I think is something that we all want to be better at. She's a coach. She's a longtime founding coach through Beachbody, the fitness industry. She is also a leader through the John Maxwell leadership. She has been married to her line to her sweetheart, high school sweetheart, for over 32 years. She's the mother of six children, three boys, three girls. She has three son-in-law, and she's the grandmother of two beautiful children, a boy and a girl. So let me welcome Tracy Morrow to our podcast. And I'm so excited. Thank you for being here, Tracy. (laughs) Oh, thank you for having me, Jimena. And thank you for that very sweet introduction. That was so kind. And as you were saying it, I was thinking, isn't it interesting how my family is so even? Like I have three boys and three girls, and now I have one grandson and now one granddaughter. 
And yes. it, it just was hitting me as you were saying that, like, wow, the, the numbers are even. Who's going to knock us off kilter next? Who's going to have <laughs> the next baby that's going to make us uneven? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I feel like there's kind of this kind of kind of triad, you know, like it, your, your kids kind of balance that, you know, triangle, you know, yeah. your relationship with you and, and your husband, you know. So there's this, yes. uh, you know, just, I don't know, triangles just triangles are so sacred it's a sacred form yes. you know it signify unity you know and so I feel yes. like what it's embodied through your family you know you have this mm. representation of the triad so that's oh. that's just beautiful you know I love that yeah I love that um so yeah so today's topic I think for the listeners and viewers you know we're talking about faith and I just want to make sure that people understand that it's not just it's not just faith based on a, on a god i think faith is something that we carry inside of us you know it's mm -hmm. it's kind of that belief that we can do anything you mm -hmm. know and be better in our work in life in our communities in the world in our families so it's mm -hmm. an internal kind of fire that we carry inside of us you know that's what I think faith is you know it's more than yes. just believing in God so yeah yeah and and even yesterday I I kind of went under the knife for a little procedure on my back and oh, oh. for a mole removal but I was thinking about faith yesterday you know it's hmm. the faith that we put onto others and and we got to trust that we're going to be okay. You know, mm -hmm. we're going to be put in uncomfortable situations in life. Mm -hmm. But if we don't trust and we, if we don't have that faith, then it's really hard to, to be okay with that, you know? Mm -hmm. And which takes me to a passage that I really, really resonated with in the Bible. Matthew 17, 20. And I'm just going to read it, but I think this is a good starting point. It says, for truly, I tell you, if you have faith, the size of a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there. And it will move and nothing will be impossible for you. Mm -hmm. So that, ever since I read that, it's, it's such a powerful message. And I want to hear more about how you see that message coming across in your life. And yeah, I would, I would love to do that. First, before I do, I just would like to clarify, are you okay? Was everything okay with your little procedure yesterday? Yeah, it should be. Yeah, it should be fine. Yeah, it's just a mold removal and I will be okay. Yeah. Yeah. So they had to go a few layers down and then yes. they stitch you back up and you wait to hear yeah. if they got deep enough, if they biopsy yeah. to find yeah. out if everything's okay. Yeah, it should be fine. So thank you for asking. But, uh huh. But I, I, I love. We're at that age and stage of life, aren't we? Where that all of our sun damage from our younger years are now starting to, to, to come up, and we are having to deal with all of the little yes. markings on our skin of yeah. all of our um foolishness of our youth of not covering up with sunscreen when yeah, we were exactly. younger. Because you and I, you and I yeah. are the same age. Yeah, we're the same age. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um. But it's, I agree with what you said when you talked about 
it, it is a faith for me. It's a faith in God. I have a very strong, deep faith in God, uh, which for me is really foundational for showing up in, in, in the places that I show up in my life and the different roles that I play, but it's also having faith in other people, faith, like you showing up for your procedure yesterday. Um, you know, it's, you're nervous. You're probably yeah. afraid that all the things that run through your mind, but that faith of a mustard seed, you know, you show up with faith and faith that your fellow man, whether it be man or woman being mankind has done their work in medical school and has gotten proper sleep and is showing up and is ready to perform that, that procedure on you yesterday and all the people doing their faith and all the people who are doing their jobs properly to make sure that they got deep enough, that they got all the surrounding tissue faith that they're going to take care of you like they would their own mom or sister and, and faith that it's going to be as it's supposed to be in your life. And so for me, you know, that faith in other people, um, brings hope for me, Uh uh, Faith in other people, for me, the faith of the mustard seed, for me, just when Jesus said that, what that means to me, I'm sure there are lots of theological theologians who could go really deep with that. But what that just says to me is sometimes when you just feel your weakest, when you just feel small, when you feel like the mountain ahead of you is so big, when the task ahead of you, when the scary diagnosis that's in head of, ahead of you, when the relationship that's off kilter that it is ahead of you, the new job that's ahead of you, whatever it is that's ahead of you, that feels bigger than you. Yeah. If I just have faith of a mustard seed, something small, yes. God is, that's all God requires of me. That's all he wants is just that I'll have hope and a faith that that something bigger and better is coming and that he can fill in the rest and then faith in other people that they're going to do good things and show up and, and good things are going to happen even from scary and bad and hard situations. And I, and faith that in that life is going to keep going and the sun is going to rise and set the next day. And whatever that story is going to look like, I am a part of a bigger story that isn't just about this one little moment and faith in the bigger picture And that sometimes it does feel if you've ever, if you've ever bought a little container of mustard seed at the grocery store or wherever you buy your spices, it's really, really very small. Tiny. And sometimes like I, sometimes when I'm feeling small or when I feel like something is too big, I will go up. I, I've never cooked with actual mustard seeds. (laughs) It's usually like ground, ground mustard or something like that. I keep a container of mustard seeds from the spices um, up in my spice rack, just because sometimes I just need to pour it out into my palm of my hand and isolate out one seed. And I look at that seed when I feel like my faith is faltering or when I need faith. And I just think, look at how tiny it is. And the faith of that little seed is all I need right now. And so I'm going to choose to have that faith that, this is a part of something bigger. And, and it's amazing to me. It's faith, faith is a choice. Faith isn't something for some people that doesn't come naturally, but it's, I, I choose to have it and it has always served me well. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm even thinking of kind of the metaphor, I mean, of the seed, just some, something so small and it grows into something so beautiful. And I think that can and translate big. into, mm-hmm. into our life, you know, into um, just anywhere we are in, in the world, the place in, in our world, you know, if we just plant that little, you know, seed, you know, we have to believe that it will amount to something bigger, 
you know? Yes. Yeah. And And it does grow with every little step and every little thing, time that we've, we've planted, it's planting that seed. It's watering that seed with every faith step that we take. And then it does grow. It grows with time and, and feeding it. Yes. Yeah. So speaking of kind of planting, like what planted or like what's, you know, began like your faith, you know, how did that start for you? Like where did that begin? do you think? Um, well, you and I had spoken a little bit, so I'll share with the listeners what we had talked a little bit offline. So you aren't left out in our conversation. Um, but that I grew up in with a Catholic background. And so for me, uh, I don't know what those of you who listen, if that's a little bit like that might be, I realize fully that for some people that's a painful background, but for me in my personal experience, it was a really beautiful and fun Yes, I said fun um, background. There were, um, for me, I, I really got a good knowledge of the Bible. I We went to a church where the priests were, I was born in 1970. And so it was a very forward thinking church that I went to. And so in the 70s, I was actually as a girl, part of the first group of girls who were allowed to be um, altar servers. Okay. So I, as you can imagine, I was, you know, this inquisitive, I had a ton of questions. They probably regretted the moment that they allowed little talkative <laughs> girls <laughs> to be behind, but I just, yeah, you know, that, you're asking too many questions. Don't ask questions. Yeah. They're like, what happened to when the little quiet boys come back here and they're just doing their job that their parents told them they needed to do. I was like, so what are, what, you know, the big bags of the, of the Eucharist before they bless it, I just always thought they were so delicious. For those of you who don't, are, are, don't have no Catholic background, it is where the, the wafers, there are these thin wafers that become, they, the Catholic church believes that when the priest blesses them, that actually becomes the, the body of Christ. So that when you take it in communion, you are actually consuming the body of Christ. That is a very symbolic and meaningful moment for the, for the church who becomes like a part of you, you're becoming a part of what Jesus did on the cross. And so, uh, but before you, before the priest blesses them, they are just very delicious wafers. And yes. I can remember I, asking I used to love I remember, going to communion just because of the wafers. You yes, know? they were delicious. And I can remember asking the priest, like, do you ever have those for a snack before you bless them? I've literally remember asking that, like, is there ever leftovers where you sometimes let people buy those or have those for a special snack with the ones that haven't been blessed. (laughs) And I think the priest just had no idea what to do with me. Anyway, I have very good memories of, of that. And I had a head knowledge and a true belief in God, but I was a pretty wild teenager from the ages of 14 to 17. It was head knowledge. I truly believed in God. It just didn't translate truly into my behaviors because it was head knowledge and God to me was distant and, and far from me. I believed in him. He was just far. And so he didn't impact my choices. And so I went to a young life, uh, camp meeting with like a camp one summer. And I went because the camp looked really fun Mm -hmm. and the speakers spoke at night. And when they spoke, um, I just can remember my heart being like forever changed. I, I, I almost would say I was almost compelled to believe like once you, I believed I couldn't unbelieve. It wasn't, it was like, I just, it was the missing piece. It was like my head connected with my heart and I felt 
God very personal and real to me. So all my head knowledge became very personal to me. And so I just was forever changed. I've, I've said it before. I've said it a million times, but how I describe it is like in the Wizard of Oz. I've lived a life in black and white. And yet this color reality always was a reality. I just never saw it. You can't make yourself see color. And suddenly I saw the world in color and it had always, always been there. It's just now I could see it and I couldn't unsee what I'd now seen. And that's how I, I felt like my life felt like suddenly I saw a new dimension that had always been there. And now I saw it. And I feel like I really, truly came alive at that, at 17 years of age and was just a to totally different person from that point on. So adding a little bit, expanding on that from um, our conversation yesterday, you talked about during that time you were, I think you had moved to Sacramento. Um, right? Yes. And um, yes, so I, yeah. Sacramento. And I remember you talking about a Jesuit priest, which is something that yes. you and I also share. You know, I yes. was in high school. The priest of my high school was a Jesuit priest. And I remember that I was also kind of forever changed, you know, in that, in, in mm -hmm. kind of believing in, in that God is not something intangible, you know, that God is something that oh, we gosh. carry, that we can carry mm -hmm. inside of us, you know, that it's yes. a personal relationship that we have to establish, you know, right. So it, in, in my belief, I think places, certain places call to us, you know, and, and, and I, and I think it's up to us to follow that, that faith, you know, follow the yeah. belief that we're meant to be at that place at that certain time, people cross our mm -hmm. path, you know, for a certain amount of time for a reason, you know, for what we need yeah. at that moment. And so yeah. I need to kind of tell the listeners a little bit more about that experience, you know, in Sacramento, being that sacrament, I think it's a sacred, it comes from sacredness, the sacrament, you know, so I love that. There's a little bit more about that experience. Sure. Sure. Yeah. So we, we moved from the Bay area, um, near San Francisco up near Sacramento when I was 10 and we had a Catholic church in our town that um, was kind of dry. And so we would travel 10 miles to a, a neighboring city where there was a Catholic priest who taught our catechism. I went to public school. So if you didn't go to Catholic school, you had to go to Catholic classes and um, in order to be confirmed at 16 for my age group. And uh -huh. so I would take those classes at in the evening and the, there was a Jesuit priest who taught at a Jesuit high school, which is just a Catholic high school in Sacramento. Uh -huh. And I can remember he was just so fun and engaged with the students. And so we would, I can remember from my high school, I was a cheerleader. And when we would cheer against his high school, he would be up in the stands talking to all the players, talking to the kids, talking to, he was just cared about kids. And I can remember crossing over from my high school with my friends in our, you know, with our fans and coming over up, up into the stands to talk to father bill, because he was just that charismatic that he drew kids to him. And I just, um, <clears throat> I just can remember while I was not, I, I was not a believe full believer yet. It hadn't pierced my heart yet. I was drawn to somebody who clearly had relationship with kids 
and had something that I, that drew me. And mm-hmm. so I love that when you talked about Sacramento, it was a, a Jesuit high school in Sacramento and it, it, it drew me in just the idea that you talked about a place that has sacred in its yes. name Yes, that was drawing me at a time where my heart was just being primed and ready for, for a change that would alter the whole course of the way my life would go forevermore. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and those are kind of the little, I don't know, messages, you know, that, that, that it's up to us to really heed, you know, that message or not, you know, it's, it's our choice and our lives yes. very differently depending on what choice we make at that, at that point in time, you know? For sure. For sure. And in the Catholic church, they have you when you can get confirmed, which means I'm confirming that I'm going to follow this path. That's what confirmation is. I confirm that what my parents have raised me up in, I choose for myself. And so you choose a name. So it's interesting that you're talking about the value of a name like Sacramento with sacrament in it. And the name that I chose for myself was a family name. It was my sister's one of my sister's middle name, but I chose the name Renee, which means reborn. And so it's just interesting to me at that time that I chose a name reborn at a time where I truly in that next year became a new version of myself, the bet, the next best version of myself, as I chose to be a reborn version of me, as I chose to follow in this area, that was a sat as I made a sacrament of, of with my life truly. So anyway, I love that is the names do matter. Names matter. Yeah, they do. And, and I think, you know, you, you have also mentioned how you following your faith, I think it has maybe led you to the places where you have lived, you know, yes. so after, yeah. I don't know at what age you moved to, L, to Los Angeles, but there's another I moved to Los Angeles when I was 19. Yeah. yeah. So there's kind of that other name of, you know, Los Angeles, you know, and so I want to know a little bit more about how your faith has kind of um, directed you maybe to the places that you have lived. And maybe uh, I know you have a story to tell about your most recent move, you know, where you're at now. So I'm just, yeah. Yeah. So um, I haven't really dived. We didn't really dive into it very much, but I, I had worked. So right after I came back from the camp, after I graduated from high school, I worked at a, uh, a Christian camp up into the, up in the mountains. And when I came back, I was, I had a, it's kind of awkward to say, but I had a, a stalker at that point that I was actually in danger. And so the police had said to me, you, you need to like leave town and wow. go, go somewhere and not tell anybody where you're going. Cause you're actually in danger. So I left um, without have get like I had to leave my job. I left my church friends, my family, and went down to Los Angeles to live with my sister, kind of incognito, okay. and ended up staying there for over thirty years. But went to LA because that's then I got went to started going to school. But I had to cut ties with all of my friends and oh, all you know, people weren't supposed to know where I was for my own safety. Wow, and so down to LA and, um, met my husband and we stayed there for about 30 years. And, um, and then towards the end, I was really praying for God 
I, I knew our time was, there was done. And for this next season of our family, as our kids were becoming adults, um, you know, we had all of our children in LA. We got married, we got married, had all of our children in LA, raised them in LA. <clears throat> and um, I just knew the time was, it was time to move. And I just didn't know where. Uh -huh. And so we tried all different places. I drove around over the course of about seven years and looking for different places. And my brother lives in Colorado Springs. Okay. And, um, and so we, I just really kept, I started at the beginning at Colorado Springs and we looked at all these different States. And in the end came back, we were also trying to go to a place where my parents would maybe move to live with us too, where they would be open to moving. And, um, and so in the end we came back, someone, you know, someone said, Hey, a friend of ours from church said, Tracy, I've got a somebody, if you want to buy, sell your house, I've got a buyer for your house. Our house was not even on the market. And 35 days later, we rolled into Colorado Springs. Our houses closed about two days apart from our house in Colorado Springs, from our house from, from, in, uh, in Los Angeles. And here we are in, we've been in Colorado Springs just almost three years. Okay. So and then you and I talked about like coming from the city of angels to yes. the Springs, to the, the springs. springs. Yes. Yeah. The water, water and, symbolism. Yes. Yeah. And the water symbolism in the Bible of what got the spirit of God and, and, and water and what water has always been for me and how that has always been such a pull to me to now in Colorado Springs, we, ha we have snow, we have rain. We don't really have Springs actually in Colorado yeah. Springs, yeah. but the name itself has water has always been a place where, where I have felt the closest to God and fit, you know, whether I'm at the ocean or whatever, and now we're in the mountains and mm -hmm. snow, I just absolutely love snow. And, um, so yeah, it's, it has been definitely a path where God has opened up for us to come here and th yeah. we're thriving and, um, and now kind of clustering as a family, excuse me, and loving it here. Good, good. Yeah. I, I mean, I, and I think what makes places <laughs> special, you know, um, I think our communities, you know, the communities mm. I think make a place, you oh, know, yeah. They can either break it or, 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 you know, or make it just stronger, you know, yeah. and, and I know for, for you, you know, first and foremost is your family. I think your family is, you know, at least from what I've seen and from when I've, we've talked family for you is the foundation of kind of how you share. And you've also talked about the women in your life, you know, kind mm -hmm. of these generations of, of women and. Um, so I want you to kind of talk to the, you know, tell the listeners and viewers about how, you know, how that plays into your life, you know, especially the yeah. life. Yeah. I come from a family of pretty strong, strong women of faith, of character, of grit. And when I say that, I don't mean that in a trendy way. I mean, in like really strong women who have endured hardship and poverty and my my maternal grandmother being you know first generation american coming from slovenia and being you know lost her was an only child lost her mom when she was three years old was raised as an only child by her father who never married and remarried and um 
and then married my grandfather when she was, I think, 16 or 17 years old. And then had from my grand maternal grandparents, they had 12 children, lost three of them to miscarriage. So nine children who lived. And from those two little grandparents, there are like 180 of us. So most all are still living. I think we've lost maybe three of three, um, but almost all of them, all those nine siblings, my mom and her siblings, they're all living. So my grandparents have passed away, but we have cousins and cousins first, first removed and second cousins and third cousins. And so this family has grown and it's been, it's a lot of women and aunts and cousins. And, um, I, it has been a very strong culture of, of women who honor one another, honor family, honor, uh, taking care of their own and their people. Uh And then, then, but I don't, I also understand that like that, what if you're listening to this and you're like, oh, that's great for you. I don't have that. But that's to me, to me, the first, the first place where you pour out your love and, and what you've been given is into your family. And, but that's never meant, I don't believe, especially because of what I believe and my, and my faith that it's not supposed to stay just to your family. That's supposed to then pour out to the people in your community, the people who are around you. And what I love for all the things that I don't love about social media and the things that I don't love that distance people and make people feel isolated about social media. What I do love about it is, and why at 53 years old, why I'm even on social media, because it (laughs) tends to be kind of a younger person's thing. Yeah. Why I'm on there is because to me, that's my way of reaching out and connecting and showing up and being a mom, a sister, an aunt, a grandmother, even to people who don't have that and sharing what has been passed to me ge- for generations of women, strong women who have poured into me and helped me to be the kind of woman that I am is to help other women who don't have that is to to share that and pour into other women. That's why I coach people. That's why I mentor people. That's why relationships really matter to me. And especially woman to woman, because I think that's just so missing. What was you, what used to be passed on generations ago, just a couple generations ago from grandmothers and aunts to, to the w- young women who were raising up children has been so just disconnected yeah. And, and so now there are women who are really flying blind and trying to get things from, from social media people. Like I don't have anybody to go to, so I'm going to come to a resource resource on social media. So why not be that resource? Because I have those grandmothers and those moms and cousins and aunts pouring into me. Why not be that resource? Yeah. So that, that to me is very important to me. That's why I wrote my book um, on marriage because I have a great, my grandparents, when they passed away, had been married just shy of 73 years. And that doesn't mean 73. (laughs) Like she got married when she was that grandmother was, she was, she was 16, 17 when they got married and they were in their nineties when my grandfather passed away. And then my parents on my, my grandparents on my father's side, my dad's side, they were, um, they were married or in their fifties when my grandfather passed away, but 
same thing. Like my parents are, they've been married 64 years, 65 years and still going. So that to me is a resource that is a deep, deep well of how to stick it out when it's hard. It wasn't easy for all of them. It was, there were hardships. There were really hard, hard things my grandparents had to go through. And, um, and to me, that's something to share. Yeah. That's worth sharing. So, so your book, um, looking at the cover right now, real life marriage, I even have a copy of it and it's, (laughs) I love the cover because you're, you're giving the readers a, a kind of a, the reality of marriage, which is it can be messy. I mean, the cover yeah. itself has, you know, these dirty plates, you know, and mm-hmm. the dirty, you know, utensils and, and it can be messy, but it can also be, you know, beautiful, you know, right. and right. again, you've been married more than 32 years, you know, and yeah. like, how do you keep, you know, kind of, that's another sacrament of, you know, the, of marriage, you know, love and, you know, and, and how does faith, that's it. How does it deepen your relationship, you know, in, in, and your marriage, how does that play in for you? Yeah. Uh, well, my faith in God, first of all, is uh, here's what I think. And, and I think the church does a good job at saying marriage should be for life. It does a terrible job, no offense, because I'm a member of church, uh-huh. of the church. It does a t- terrible job at telling you how to stay married for life. Yeah. You know, like what about when it's messy and hard? You know, yes. they do a great job of saying like, don't have sex before marriage and don't do this and don't do that. But then they don't say what to do. Yeah. And so that's what I felt like as somebody who grew up in the church and then who was a a youth leader for 11 years, what I had was a lot of kids who saw their parents divorcing, who saw things in their own family and they did, they knew what not to do, but they didn't know what to do. Yeah. And what Casey and I, my husband, Casey and I found is we, well, what if you, what if you did do those things and you still wanted to have a good marriage? What if you did do some of the things that you were not supposed to do? And I mean, God's ideal is for our best but he's also full of mercy and grace. Yes. And so there has to be a path forward for, well, what about the stories that are less than perfect? Here's the bar for those of you can't see if you're Mm -hmm. listening, I'm holding my hands at this perfect high bar. Well, what if your story, you can still have a great marriage if you are less than the perfect high bar because no one is perfect. And so, so how my, my whole thing was, how can we help people have actual practical steps of how to make a, a good marriage of from from the hard parts through the hard parts and and how to navigate the messy parts because what do movies show us what do romance books tell us it's like you have an entire team of people who are on a writing team who are writing the man to say the perfect thing or the woman to say the perfect thing or whoever to say the perfect thing in your marriage and then everything happens perfectly from there on. And what, how does it end? And they lived happily ever ever after. after. (laughs) And it's like, what does that even mean? Yeah, (laughs) You know, like, what does that even mean? I haven't met anybody who has had a happily ever after because it's not happily ever after it's really hard, but that hard, we were made for hard. 
We yeah. were made to do hard things. Yes. And I think we set people up for happily ever after instead of rightly telling them this is going to be the hardest thing you've ever done. And it is the most worthwhile thing you will ever, ever do. And you will come out on the other side of each hard thing you navigate. If you can navigate it in a healthy way and not push it down and ignore it and not try to, you know, be, oh, we, we yelled at each other. So that's scary. So we're going to push that down and not uh, approach that anymore. If we, in a healthy way, learn tools to navigate those messy parts, understanding that that is a natural and healthy part of merging your life for, with somebody else for life, knowing that on the other side of those hard, hard moments and conversations is a relationship that is deeper, closer more, more trusted and wonderful than you could ever imagine from shallow relationships that never transcend those hard moments. Because now we're, you know, in October, we will have, we will be married 33 years. We have had so many hard and difficult conversations that I would be embarrassed truthfully if anybody, if there was a camera in the room to film them but we navigated them, sometimes messy, sometimes better than messy, sometimes clunky, sometimes we got there faster, sometimes it took us a couple days and a couple tries and a couple years to figure out how to navigate that. But but like what we have so many times as we look at our grandkids and our grown kids, we've said to ourselves, what if we had given up what we have, what we would have missed? And we talk about faith, having faith that someone else is going to stay with me and fight it through for me and fight for me as we fight with one another. We're fighting for one another and for something that takes a lifetime to fight for. I, I just, I'm so passionate about it. It is, it is something that is so worth it that I've decided to write a book to say, hey, here are the tools that we found and that have worked for us. Two very messy people, two people who went at it, two people who had a hard time coming to the same page because we view and do life so differently, but we loved each other and we wanted to end up on the same team at the end of our lives that I, we worked and found tools. And that's what this book is, what we found. And I, in it, I share our messiness. I share the way we were immature. I share, you know, our junk, but that is for the purpose to show that we weren't just two happy, perfect people who found each other and we were meant to be we had to make our meant to be and any is to show anybody if you really want it you can make your meant to be yeah yeah and, and i think it makes it more relatable too you know when you see yeah. when you read a sure. story that can where you see yourself in the other person you're like yeah oh, you know that's something i do or or my husband yeah. does that. and so yeah. how you navigate you know those areas you know in in, in marriage right. you know so yeah um I appreciate you bringing that book to, to, you know, to us. And so, so yeah. Um, so the, I, so for you, I know home, we talked about the communities kind of that ground us in the place where we are. But the other thing I think for you that, that I think is also so important, you have had two great mentors in your life mm -hmm. that have been brought, mm -hmm. you know, in very, so I want to know, I, I know we, uh, Tony Horton, I know is one person that has been your friend yeah. and mentor for years. And then there's yeah. John Maxwell. So mm -hmm. how, how do you meet them? Like the, and do you believe also kind of faith had, you know, something to do with it or how, how did they come into your life? 
like where yeah. were yeah. you met them and yeah I um I met Tony Horton so he's the creator of P90X and he um he has uh, something called Power Nation now so if you know anything about Tony and you're like hey where can I find that guy you can find him by looking up Tony Horton Power Nation He's still going. He's amazing. Uh, but I met him 20 years ago through a workout infomercial, bought the program. And as I was working out, I felt like, again, just have to share my story. You can call it weird or what, but my, I felt like as I was working out, I felt like God was saying on my, on my heart, pray for this guy. You're going to be his friend. Huh. So as I would exercise, I would just pray for this man. I would say like, okay, God, whatever is going on in his life, thank you for that he's using his gifts, help him to have insight into business deals and into his friends and help him to continue to live the life that he was meant to live and help him to make good choices. Those are all the things I would pray for him and um, and keep keep him protected from, from people who mean, mean him harm. Those are the, just the kinds of things I would pray as I exercised because he was giving me his gifts. And so I felt like my gift I could give to him was a prayers of protection for him and for who, what he, what he was doing and how he was moving through the world. And the company had a commercial or a contest that you could enter your before and after pictures. Yes. I remember doing those. (laughs) (laughs) And maybe be chosen to be in their commercial. And we, Kind of hesitated because we were embarrassed because our before pictures, like that's embarrassing. And what what if on the off chance we're chosen, uh, would we be okay with people we know seeing our pictures? I don't know. It's felt so naked. We were just mm-hmm. private people who served at our church and we're in our little community. And um, and so good thing we had to think that through ahead of time because we did get chosen. And that's where I met Tony. And Tony and I just really hit it off. And became, we exchanged our information and he and I started working together and we were, he is like a brother to me. He is, he is a mentor to me because how he lives his life and how he, um, we were two very different people. Our paths are very different. He didn't get married until like seven, eight years ago and was a single man most of his life. And, um, and so I, you know, I've been married for over 30 years and have a bunch of kids and a, and a grandma. So yeah. we, our lives were very different, but we were also just so such kindred spirits and worked well together and got each other. And, and then he got married and I love his wife. I mean, I prayed for him, a wife when his mom, when I met his mom at Tony's 50th birthday, he's 65 now. And when I met him at his, met his mom, she's from the East coast. She came out for his 50th birthday party. And she said, Tracy, please just pray for Tony to get a good Christian woman for his, for his wife. Cause Tony is not a Christian believer. So, um, I was like, oh, I am praying. And, um, anyway, she is, she's wonderful. She checks every box. She loves him dearly. They are such a, they are different and they are well suited to one another. Yes. And I love her. She is a sister and how wonderful that I love the wife that he married that we, that we can, you know, I just went and stayed for a week at their house in California a couple, few weeks ago. And Shauna and I just, you know, we, we would film in the day or work in the day. And then we would come back to the house and sit and chat in the evening while Tony was playing with the dogs or whatever. And it was just like sitting with a sister. And I thought, what a blessing that this brother that God brought into my life through a fitness program that brought in a sister as well. 
And so do I think that's fate? Yeah. Do I think that was a God thing? Yeah. I think it's all of it. I think it's meant to be. I think it's a fate thing. And yeah. that was Tony. And I've learned so much from him. I continue to learn from him. I, I think we learn from each other. I think we're, we're just, he makes me better in a lot of ways. And I, I, he just makes me laugh in a way that not, not many people on this planet do. He's maybe one of the two people, three people who make me laugh the way he does. And he just brings such joy and delight. I'm just for him. And then John, I met, I met using air quotes, John, when I was 21, someone handed me a cassette tape and said, oh, you should learn about this guy. He's a pastor and he's coming out of the church to like write books for business people. And they say he's going to be the next big business guru. And so I thought, oh, I'm going to learn from him. So I started learning from him and I thought I was going to learn because I didn't complete college. I started college and it was just not my thing. And I, so I thought I'll educate myself. So I thought, oh, I'll learn from this guy. And so um, I thought I'd learn about business because I thought I'd own a hair salon down the road because I did hair at the time. And um, and what I learned was really getting so good with people. It was, he was like a relationship developer and he taught me how to be a better communicator. And I was a youth pastor at the time. So I was teaching twice a week and sometimes I would teach in the big church. And so, um, I used it to learn my communication skills and my speaking skills and my relationship skills. And then when I found beach body, which has now been renamed as body, I, I started using John's stuff to train in my business it wasn't a hair salon. It was a health and wellness business. And so I used John's stuff and I was telling our CEO, let's bring in John Maxwell. Let's bring in John Maxwell. So they brought him in as our keynote speaker. And I met John then. And John said, Tracy, I pray for God to bring people into my life. And I believe you were, you and I are supposed to work together. And he offered, he, he asked for my card and he offered to mentor my team. And he and I, then they said, then his team said, you know, Tracy, you and John work very well on calls. Would you consider hosting his calls? So then I started doing, working with him and they invited me to be serve on his board. And so I started traveling with his board internationally. And so it's been a little over 10 years now that I've been working with John. And then they asked me a couple of years ago to be his relationship expert guide. And so now I teach and train how John's relationship stuff has relationship lessons have taught me how to develop in relationships and how I built a relationship business and ministries. And so they just kind of merged together. So John's stuff and Tony's stuff, really, they kind of came hand in hand. And um, yeah, I think it's God. I think it's fate. I think it's meant to be all of it. Yeah, it's it's interesting how pe you know people can bring us you know to the places that we that we may think at the time that we're maybe not meant to be at, but yet again you know those connections is kind of this a thread that that connects everybody mm-hmm. without us knowing you know kind mm-hmm. of the notion of the six degrees you know that we're all separated by six yeah. degrees yeah yeah or what. Carl Jung used to speak of synchronicities, you know, these kind of these Mm -hmm. events that happen in our lives, you know, and we may not see how they're really connected, but there's, but yet again, there's meaning, you know, there's meaning behind those connections. Absolutely. And, and I think, again, going back to faith, having faith, it's what's needed in order to believe in that, you know, Mm -hmm. believe again, Mm -hmm. that we have a, a bigger purpose, you know, 
and and I and I don't know how, how you view it, but for, for for me, you know, currently the the world the, the way that the world is, you know, it's sad, you know, um, in the U.S. Mm -hmm. we've had so many mass shootings. I think more than the days that we've had mm -hmm. in the year. You know, there's mm. so much things happening in the in the world. You know, um, and I mean, sometimes I feel like we have lost our faith. But right. I know when I spoke to this, and you don't, I know maybe it's not necessarily that we've lost it, but it's maybe that we need to reconnect or kind of reenchant ourselves with the world. You know, and kind of look mm -hmm. for resources. You know, like for instance, your book. Uh, you know, look for mentors, you know, that help us yes. kind of get that faith and that belief, you know, that there's a higher purpose for us and we all have a, pur a purpose. So absolutely. what's your feeling on that? You know, as we kind of getting to the end here. Yeah, I, I think that's a great point to close on because you listen to all of this and you go like, what, what, what do we do about this world? I think I think you don't have a beating heart if you don't look around and say something's wrong here. What what can be done? Yeah. And and the worst thing we can do is say, well, we just need politicians to change things, or we just need that person over there to change things, or we need someone else needs to do it. The best thing that we can do, I mean, we vote our voice for sure. We should be voting, but at the same time, we need to understand first of all, have faith that we do have a purpose and have faith that we, we have something to add to this world. And if we're stirred with compassion and stirred with, ang with anger, even at something that's wrong to not be filled with anger, but to let that anger move you to do good, yeah. not in anger, but with, with a connect it to your purpose and say, you know, I'm going to bring my best. I have something to add. And if I'm moved, uh, John Maxwell just wrote a book. It was called change your world. It's not change. I can't change the world. And you, most of most people on this planet want one person can't change the world, but we can change our world. Yes. And so looking to see, like, I have faith that I have something to bring to this world. That's yes. for good. Yes. Not not anger and hatred is not going to change this world. What's going to change this world is love in action. And yeah. what can I do to move the needle forward for good, at least in my world and in the people place where I have an impact. And so I could point out all the things that people are doing wrong. Is that changing it for good? Not really. That's yeah. just flaring up anger. So how can I, I've got to, you know, you and I talked about, Having, have we lost our faith in the goodness of humanity? If we have, how can we reconnect to say there is good in people? Yeah. Even the people we disagree with, even the people we disagree with, there is good in people. And we need to rediscover that, what you called re-enchant ourselves to. Yes. I call that rediscovering it and, and, and calling, reconnecting to that again. And so how can we do that? So one yeah. of the ways that I do it is I... I find that all this, my life's work of studying, of helping people to take, make their lives and their health a priority again, that's a map that matters. Cause yeah. if you're diminishing yourself and not taking care of yourself, then it, reflect, it reflects on our lives. You know, if we're not doing right. it, 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 it reflects. That's on right. 
I need to show up as the best version of me in my marriage to my kid, now, now adult kids, to my grandchildren, and to the relationships where I have been blessed to have relationships, both online and in person. And yeah. I want to show up as the best version of me. So that means taking care of me. Then the next step beyond me and my family is that then I want to show up for the people in my sphere of influence in the best way possible. So where is that? That's in helping people with weight loss and helping people to prioritize their wellness. And then it's also in relationships with people, both in their marriage through the book, but it's also when I'm coaching people, whether it's in their businesses and in their families and getting it back in order again, take care of me, take care of my people, and then take care of the people beyond my home. And then in the Maxwell world, I do a relationship call. So I teach relationship courses of how to have healthy relationships and everything I've learned from John Maxwell in the last 30 plus years and everything I've learned from Tony Horton in the last 20 plus years, I take that from the proximity that I have to those two giants really and how it's worked in my life and I teach it. And so once a month I do a relationship call, I've got one coming up. You and I talked a little bit about that. I've got one coming up. I'm excited. And I would love to offer whoever's listening of that, you know, that's a paid membership, but I would love to offer free to come and listen to that call where we're going to be talking about failing forward and how to use bad things that happen in our life and extract the good from it for the purpose of learning and growing. And, and that, that will be in the, you said you'd put it at the link. We'll put that link in the show notes, but yes. people can come to that free, free call where I mentor people and have access to something like that. I do a free, you know, we do an app on the Maxwell leadership app where there are all sorts of courses for how to grow. And that's how, to me, that's how we bring back faith into humanity is by putting positivity, putting action steps for positivity into like, okay, it's not enough to just feel good about myself. How can I take feeling good into action so it impacts those around me in my home, outside my home, in my community, in the places where I live. That's wonderful. You know, I, I think you and I, the, the work that we're both doing, you know, uh, with me and this podcast that I've created, I, I feel like it's it's part of my purpose, you know, to yes. kind of bring people the, the soul, you know, um, Mm-hmm. But James Hillman, who was a famous psychologist, he said soul making. You know, it's about it's about being that. in the world and and just being ensouled in the world. Yes, and mm. and I feel like that's part of also what that. you know we're missing. You know, like like yes. you through your faith. You know, but I think through me, kind of, but you use the word awakening or reawakening. You know, bring mm-hmm. people. To, to and teach people or show people how they can live in a more ensouled world, you know? Yes. But, but before that, it's, it starts with your foundation. You know, mm-hmm. you can't be in an ensouled world if you don't have an ensouled marriage or an ensouled, you know, life within your, your, your community. So it starts mm-hmm. small, almost like that mustard mm-hmm. seed that we talked at the mm-hmm. beginning. It starts with the small little things that we do and then that translates into how we interact with with the world around us, you know? Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. So it's it's back to what you said at the beginning to me at the beginning of this podcast. You said it's like tr- you talked about it, it's in triangles. Yes. And to me, those triangles is we are a three part person as a human being. We are mind, body, and spirit. And so most people are taking care of one, maybe two parts of that. And when you leave a part of yourself out, you are operating incomplete and you aren't bringing the fullness of you connecting yourself to yourself so that you can then bring the fullness of you to that, to the world. And so that body, mind, spirit is to me, like, are you learning a lot and then you're not taking care of your body or are you so connected spiritually, but you're not really learning and growing anymore because you're a certain age and you stop learning or you're just taking care of your body, but you're not really connecting brain to spirit. So all of those three things, if we can access those again and get those three pieces moving together to me, then when those three parts are connected, then we are at a prime spot for us to then work activate that faith and bring that soul peace, like what you're doing through your podcast. Yeah. Bring that to the world in your own voice. Yes. And that's what the world needs is you to find your own way of doing that to bringing that to the world. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And and that's what going back, because I'm studying that psychology and, and, and Carl Jung, Carl Jung talked about the self, the archetype of the self you know, which is kind of going back to the core of who we are, kind of that center. You know, he spoke of mandalas. He actually believed that it wasn't just a triad, but it was almost more like a, you know, quaternity, you know, sorts, you know, where you just kind of go back, you know, and you always go back to the center, to the core of who of who we are, you know, mm-hmm. and that and who we are is not just us isolated from the world. You know, we can't function like that, you know. The, yeah, the self, right as now. we called it, the self is not me being selfish and me, you know, having the ego, you know, stand here, but it's about how we can, you know, be in relation with the mm-hmm. people around us. That's what the self is, you know? That's right. So, so um, before we end, and I want to, I see this um, in your backdrop, live a great story. So I want to leave kind of <laughs> listeners and and viewers with that. Like how, like what does it mean to live a great story? And what can people do to live a great story? That's a great question. That's kind of my mantra. I love that. I didn't, I'm, I mean, I, I kind of came up with it is that we kind of are living the life that just happens in front before us rather than choosing the life in, that we want to live. And so as I started coaching people, I really started taking them through exercises to live the life that they want to live rather than the life that's just handed to them or that happens to them. And so for me, I feel like if you were to ask every person, most people would like to live a great story. They would like to go and see places and see the world and have it become a part of who they are rather than just something they read in a book. And I would say that most people, why we watch movies, why we read books, why we love story is because we like adventure. We like the mystery. We like, you know, 
we like to get a good cry in with a good story, or we we like to root for the person who's the underdog who comes yeah. and becomes the hero of the story or the heroine of the story. Yeah. And so, but but most of us just live life through watching a movie or reading a book, and we don't actually become the hero or the, or the heroine of our own story. And so for me, living a great story is really the reminder that we can make choices in our life that we can choose to live the life that we want. And we can design, a, live a life by design rather than just letting it happen to us. And so I've raised my kids with this mentality and I have built my team with this mentality. When someone joins my team, I send them a sticker for their water bottle or a little pin or a pen to write with or a wristband, something that reminds them that they can choose to live a great story. And every life, if we choose it by design, the world is out there for us to explore and become a part of. And there are so many great people and places to go for us to connect to and uh -huh. become a part of. And um, so for me, live a great story just means re remember, it's not just a bunch of days streamed on top of strung, in, you know, one after the other, where you just wake up, you do your thing and you go to bed at night. And it's just a bunch of weeks strung in yeah. a row. Yeah. It's, it's what do you really choose? And, and write it down and, and look back. I'll, I'll say, think, think of yourself as a 90 year old you sitting in a rocker chair. And when you're sitting out on that porch and you're looking out on and remembering your life, what do you want to remember? Where did you go? What kind of vacations did you take? Who did you, who did you meet? What did you experience? What places did you go to? What adventures did you, did you experience? And what kind of relationships did you have? What foods did you try? What things did you, are you most proud of as that 90 year old version of you? Then come back to, to today and re-engineer your life moving forward so that you do and become and taste and visit and relate with all those people that you want to look back on. And when you're a 90 year old, you should you be blessed enough to live that long? Because so many times people get to the end of their life and they're like, life just happened. Yeah. And, and I didn't, I didn't, yeah. I didn't take the handlebars. And so anyway, that is kind of something that is a great exercise. You could hang up from this podcast and, and do right now, stop right now in your tracks and say, and what am I doing? Story. Yeah. Write your own story. Yeah. Yeah. That's and make it great. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Tracy has been a pleasure, a true honor. It has been. Thank to you. Have you here? Um, and again, please tell the uh, listeners and viewers how they can find you, how they can connect with you, um, because I I want listeners to be able to um, truly um, connect with you because you're one of a kind. You really are. Well, thank you so much. You can always find me on my website, tracymorrow.com. And that's Tracy with an I and Morrow like tomorrow. Um, and then in the, I will give links to Jimena for in the show notes where you can find me. I, I will always be on the Maxwell Leadership app that you can find in your app stores. And that's where I do my coaching and mentoring for having healthy relationships and then you can find my book, Real Life Marriage, in on Amazon or wherever you purchase books. And um, and I'm on Instagram. That's I've chosen with all the social media stuff. That's the one I've just chosen to go in the most 
for. So if you try to connect with me on Facebook, yeah, it might be too, too much, much before you hear back. <laughs> yeah, Mimona knows. So anyway, that's the well, best but, place to find me. And right. when you reach out to me, I do answer personally. So it might take a little bit, but I do. I That's me running, running that. So yes. anyway, thank you for having me. Thank you. And again, it's been good. Um, thanks for tuning in to uh, another great episode of uh, Root Stories of the Soul. And um, until next time, have a wonderful day. Well, we have reached the end of today's episode. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you've enjoyed this podcast and today's episode, be sure to share and subscribe and rate and review wherever you listen to podcasts. I am your host, Jimena Dusan Aya Pearson. And again, you've been listening to Root Stories of the Soul. Stay tuned for next week's episode where we will be continuing to talk about the soul of place. Without viewers and listeners like you, this would not be possible. So thank you again for joining me today. Until next time, have a wonderful day.